Amen. Thank you, Brad. That's what heaven will be. Our resident theologian, Ricky Galvan, says it's going to be a great place. He's going to preach on heaven in three weeks. And, and so until then, we're going to keep this up. In June, we're going to preach about heaven. I don't often do that except at funerals, but I think we need a good dose of heaven after we've had a few weeks of suffering through First Peter. We're not going to suffer anymore. You don't have to suffer through the suffering sermon, sermons anymore. As we uh, look at this subject, I want you to turn to Rome, uh, Revelation 21, 1 through 7 is what we're going to be looking at uh, today. And as, we, as you turn there, I just want to remind you, uh, Kenny Chesney says everybody want to go to heaven. Nobody want to go now. But there's a part of me, and I hope there's a part of you, that wants to go. And I hope this series will build that in you. That this world is not our home, we're just a passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me to heaven's open door. And I don't feel at home on this earth anymore. Now I know some of you, especially men, when we start talking about heaven, you start checking out. Because you think heaven, somehow, some way, Hollywood is... You bought the live Hollywood that it's all about clouds and you're in this bathrobe, white bathrobe with little angel wings and you're strumming a harp all day long and maybe eating bonbons or something. It just sounds kind of effeminate. But men, I want you to know heaven's full of rivers. And where there are rivers, there's got to be trout. You know, and heaven is full of mountains and a wonderful scenery. Where there are mountains and wonderful scenery, there's got to be deer. There's got to be elk. There's got to be bears. You think about all that heaven is. The scripture would say this. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. We don't know fully what it's going to be like. But the next verse says, But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. So we do know in part, and I'm going to share four words from this text in, in Revelation 21, and probably more words than just four. In fact, I have them on my hand right here. If you could see them, you can read those four words, then you can just kind of check out for the rest of the, the sermon. Actually, the first word is this. As we think about heaven, it's new. Look at it with me. In Revelation 21, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's holy word, Revelation 21, 1 through 7. John writes, as he's been given this vision of what heaven is like about the new creation, he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, passed away. And the sea was also gone. The sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them, and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them, and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. 
And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God. And they will be my children. Father, show us. Show us more of what it's going to be like. Not just so our hearts will be warmed and so that we'll long for it, but so that we'll be able to explain it to folks who aren't headed there yet and help them. Lord, I want everybody in this place to be on track to your place. Jesus, we know our hope, our only hope is in you, the person. And our only hope is in heaven, the place. So help us now as we look at this to be ready to share it, that hope. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You can, if you have a pen, you can take notes on your fingers, just like me, for just a moment. The first word there is new. You see how many times it's used there. Isn't it great to think about new stuff? Now, I know it's kind of popular in our day to talk about uh, the vintage or the retro or the uh, antique. Some of us, not very many of us in here are, but some of us are antiques in and of ourselves. We've been around a while and we like that stuff because we remember that stuff when it was new. But I like new stuff, don't you? Anybody in here like stuff that's new? I mean, think about heaven for just a moment. Everything's going to be new in that place. It's going to have that new car smell. It's going to have that uh, new Christmas about it. That word new is literally uh, freshness. There's going to not, it's not a matter of, of time. It's not a matter of age. It's a matter of quality. New. Now, I haven't had a new car in a long time. I've had one or two in my life. But when you think about a new car, you think about just how how neat it is that nobody's ever ridden in that car, nobody ever used that car before you. I, I've driven cars long enough to know when the ceiling stuff starts falling down. You know, you ever you ever driven a car over a hundred thousand miles and you you got to hold the ceiling stuff because it's it's drooping. What is that called? The ceiling liner, whatever. You know, you think about. An old sort of car, the air conditioner breaks down. New cars have new gadgets and new stuff. They also have that smell. You think about heaven. That's one of the new great things about heaven is the newness of the, the smell. But here's a picture that John gives us of heaven. It's like a bride adorned or dressed beautifully for her husband. Now, ladies, I don't know what it's like for you. All I know about is my bride. But I know and I've been a part of enough weddings to know that's the day that you want to look your best. So you spend hours doing your hair and 
and doing your makeup and doing your nails and all that stuff. And the dress, all the dress has to be perfect. When, when we got married, Jennifer was 19, 19, teenager. And I was thinking about that. Jack, Jackson's 19. Jackson, don't get any ideas, all right? <laughs> you think about what it was like when you, on that special day, how beautiful she was. Now, I want you to know, she didn't peak at 19. She's like a fine wine or a good cheese. She just keeps getting better with age. Right, Jennifer? Tomorrow is our 29th anniversary. And so th- these things are, are fresh in our mind. Can you believe? I, we've been together over 30 years, all counting the engagement and all that stuff. I cannot believe. 30 years, that's a long time. That's a long time to be with me, isn't it? You think about... <laughs> I hope another 30 is coming. Come on. <laughs> but I was looking at her picture. We have two pictures of her in her wedding dress. One is, is just of her. Man, she looked marvelous. Incredible. Young. Now she looks marvelous. Incredible. Young. The picture that John is trying to describe here is a bride's best day. That's what heaven is going to be like. Our worst day in heaven is billions times better than our best day on earth. New is a wonderful word. But there's another element I want you to hear. Another word, it's near. Near. See, what he, he says is not only a new heaven, a new earth, every, he's making everything new, but God is going to dwell with us, and we will be His peoples, literally is what it says. We will be His peoples. So it's not one particular group. I know in our day and age you can't watch the news without black lives matter. Black lives do matter to God. But so do red lives and yellow lives and brown lives and white lives because all the peoples of the world matter to God. And He has come near to us in Jesus Christ, that's what it says in John 1, 14. And he came to dwell among us. The Word became flesh to dwell among us. That's the Word here. To tabernacle or to make His home with us near. All through the Scripture, it talks about how God is with various people. All of what Joseph went through, it says the Lord was with Joseph. All this turmoil and difficulty. All of what Moses went through as he he was criticized. The Lord was with Moses. David. The Lord was with David. And David writes and says, The Lord is close or with the brokenhearted in Psalm 34, 18. And then he says in that great Psalm, Psalm 23, 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, or you'll be close me. So heaven 
going to be a place where we, and I don't know how this is going to happen. Got his undivided attention. And we know it. We're in his presence. You, you ever stop to think about having, having dinner with someone who from history that you'd just like to kind of pick their brain and see what life was like? I don't know. Somebody like Abraham Lincoln, what would he do in, in crazy times like this? Or somebody like uh, Ronald Reagan, he's my favorite president. You know? Or Billy Graham, I think about all of what he could share. And then ladies, maybe Beth Moore, she's not in history, she's still around. You can still do that. Or Mother Teresa or someone, Queen Esther, somebody like that. And you think those kind of people, those special kind of people who have the ability to make you feel special but also have the ability to just impart wisdom on you. And, and you want to be around those kind of people. And in heaven we get to be around someone who's infinitely greater than any of those kind of people who loves you enough and me enough not just to prepare a place that's new but a place where He's near and a place where we'll be made new. See, the same word that's used for new in this section and the same word that talks about Him being near is the word where Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, In Christ we have become a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And that's, folks, the key to making sure we're going to be there forever. See, heaven is not the default location. Hell is. In fact, in verse 8, the next sect, the next, very next verse of what we read in, in Romans, uh, Revelation 21 the next verse talks about hell, the lake of fire. That's not where God wants us. God wants us in a place where He's near and He's close. And so do you know Him because you've been made new? As we talk about heaven, the reason we're talking about it is to make sure that, that we know we're going there. Now, third word I want to share with you is know. All right, so we've got new and near, and know, you know. And lo, notice what verse 4 says is not going to be there, because heaven's going to be a great place, because certain things are not going to be there. Look at it. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will, no, there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone. Forever. David writes in another place about tears. And he says this to God. You keep track of all my, my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. In Psalm 56, 8 and 9. And you have recorded each one in your book. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know. God is on my side. And He's going to take that bottle of tears and cap it and wipe every other tear away. Now those are tears probably not of regret, but tears of suffering. 
And so there's not going to be suffering because there's not going to be death because there's not going to be sorrow because there's not going to be crying. There's not going to be pain. Think about all the brokenness of this world, all of what we're living through right now, and none of that brokenness will be there. (laughs) We'll be whole again. Released from all that relational, emotional, physical pain. There's going to be no more sea. And I know some of you like the sea. Some of you like to get out there and fish for terrapin or whatever. You do that around here? No. You got to go a little ways down to the coast or whatever. I don't like the sea. It makes me seasick. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about a body of water. He's talking about there'll be no more separation from those you love. And those who've gone before you. And, and there will be no more evil because throughout Scripture, the, these beasts keep rising out of the sea. The Antichrist in chapter 13 of Revelation rises out of the sea. In Daniel 7, there are beasts that come out of the sea. And so the ancients thought that the sea was a place of, of danger and the, the sea was a place of evil. None of that there. Because there's no evil, there's no suffering caused by the evil that takes place. In our world, none gone forever. Heaven's going to be great for what's not there, too. But here's the fourth word. And it's no, K-N-O-W. And verse 7 talks about this, as I want you to see it. That, that we know we are His people. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings or all that are conquerors will experience all that God has for us in that place. And He says, I'll be their God and they will be my children. He talks about us as personal possessions, personal relationships. We know Him near. But we also know that we know. We're confident. What gives us that kind of confidence? Do we have confidence somehow, some way, that we're going to make it because our good things outweigh our bad things? Oh, I hope not. (laughs) Because, folks, I, I know. I know myself enough to know as good as I want to be, I'm not. And so it's not based upon some scales of justice. Our going to heaven and being there with Him forever is not based upon anything other than the fact that it's done. He did it for us. It's finished. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's making all things new. He's done that and began to do that On the cross, through the resurrection, all things are made new. Jesus finished His work. That's why on the cross He says, it's finished. It's paid in full. Your sin and my sin, and we trust in Him and what He's done for us. And that's the only way we get there. There is no other way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12 says, There's no other name under heaven given among men 
whereby you must be saved. He's the only way. First John, just a few, a few books before John writes his revelation, he writes a letter, and in 1 John 5, 11, he says it this way, and this is what God has testified. He's given us eternal life in a place called heaven. And this life is in His Son. And whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. John writes, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So that you may, read it with me, so that you may, what? No, no, you have eternal life. You don't have to wish. You don't have to guess. You don't have to hope. You can know. And the way you know is you say something as simple as ABC. I admit I'm a sinner. I need you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sin. I choose you this day. This day, Jesus, to follow you. End of this chapter in Revelation 21, it says this about heaven. Revelation 21, 27, if you still have your Bibles open, it says, Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, including you and me, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know who the Lamb is? Jesus. In Jesus' book, your name's got to be in there. If your name's not in there, you don't get in. Ruth Anna Metzger was a professional singer who performed at a wedding in uh, Washington, Seattle, Washington. And after the wedding, it was a wedding of a rich man, and they had this reception, this gorgeous reception in Seattle, uh, Columbia Tower, the tallest tower in the, in the Northwest. And the stairs leading up were stairs of gold and kind of spiraled up, and, and there was a ribbon cutting at the reception to kind of lead the bride and groom up there, and they led everyone else up there. And when you got to the top, there was a maitre d' with a book. And if your name was in the book, you got to go into this reception where there was all sorts of shrimp on the tables and smoked salmon, and I know it's right before lunch and you get a little hungry. And, and there was an orchestra, and, and all these white tux guys were just warming up in the orchestra. She knew all this because... She was escorted past all this because she told the maitre d', my name Ruth Anna Metzger, and my husband here, uh, I know our names are in the book. And the maitre d' said, uh, no, they're not. And he said, uh, would, said to the help, would you escort her out the service elevator? And as she went to the service elevator, she walked past all of this and saw all these ass sculptures and all this fancy stuff, the best reception she was ever invited to. So they're driving home, and she, her husband said, What happened? I know you were excited about that reception. I know you were excited about that wedding. She said, Well, the, the invitation came, and it had an RSVP on there, and I just got busy, and I, I thought, well, I was the singer at the wedding. Surely they, they didn't need me to RSVP. They knew I would be there. 
because she never responded to the invitation. Folks, there's a greater gift, a greater feast prepared for you. It's the, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Don't miss it. Don't let the other people in your oikos, the other people in your sphere of influence miss it because they're too busy and don't receive the gift. Don't, don't let them miss it because somehow, some way, they've been damaged by church and even Christian people. Don't let them miss what Jesus has done for them. Make sure their name, make sure your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So you see later on in chapter 22, here's what he says, just come. For all those who would can come. It's available to everyone. 22.17 says, The Spirit and the Bride says, Come, let anyone who hears say, Here's this say, Come, let anyone who is thirsty, Come, let anyone who desires to drink freely from the, the water of life, because it, Remember, remember what he said? It's, it's without cost because it's already been paid for. Jesus paid it all. So you and I may come. You and I get to go on his ticket. Oh, we praise the Lord for that. As we pray and we consider um, these things, if you've never done that, I want you to do that right now. You don't have to pray out loud, but just pray a simple prayer. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I admit it. Falling short of, of your glory. I believe Jesus paid for my sin. And I choose this day to give my life to Him and follow Him. You'll be new. And you end up in that place where everything is new. And if you don't, you won't. You end up in hell where everything's pain and torture and suffering. And we don't want anybody to go there. We want everyone to go to heaven. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for preparing the place that we put our hope in. Jesus, thank you for giving your life so that we might have eternal life. And thank you, Lord, it doesn't start after we die. It starts the moment we put our, our faith in you and give ourselves to you. Receive the gift. Father, I pray for people in this place. Lord, I pray if there's someone who doubts all of that, doesn't know that they have eternal life for sure, that they pray that prayer. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sin. And I give myself, I choose this day to follow you. Lord, for those of us who've already done that, May we continue to be soft and sensitive to the people around us who haven't. Lord, in our broken world, the only solution 
The only fix is you, Jesus. So help us lead people to you. Help us share the good news that you paid it all already. Help us help them turn from their sin and turn to you. In your holy and precious and powerful name we pray. Amen.